Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the San Francisco Giants 4 again, this time the Cleveland Guardians 2. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And this was an interesting game from the Guardians because Friday night it very much felt like San Francisco kind of took it to us, right? They kind of had that game. This one felt like the Guardians had a chance in this one. It really felt like this was going to be the Guardians game for a while. I mean, Miles Straw leads the game off with a hustle a hustle triple, uh, and you think maybe the momentum is going to swing in our favor. In fact, if you look at the win probability line on StatCast, it's mostly in the Guardians' favor until the eighth inning of the game. So yeah, so the Guardians really did have a chance at uh, taking this game. They just let a couple of opportunities slip through their fingers. They ran into some, I'm going to call it bullpen trouble. And yeah, they lose another one of the Giants. So we'll see if they can salvage something from this series on the Sunday finale. But not a great start uh, to the home season, to the progressive field season. For the Cleveland Guardians. So let's get into this game. Let's get into the top storylines of this game. And for me, the top storylines of this game was the bases loaded situations. And I'm going to sneak in, if you'll allow me, the two men on situations for the Guardians. So the bases loaded for the situations came for the Giants came in the top of the fifth and the top of the eighth. And it'll be no coincidence if you look at the box score. The Giants scored in the top of the fifth, and they scored two more in the top of the eighth. What do you know? Bases loaded, they come through. Now, Quantrill actually, I wouldn't say he pitches great uh, for the first uh, four innings of this game. I think he does have a no-hitter going for the first four innings of this game, but he was getting hit hard. I mean, there were some loud outs to the warning track, and you got to think, if this game were in July... And a warm Cleveland night, those balls might have been home runs. But he got a couple of flyouts to the warning track. He gives up one, two, three, four, five, six hard hit balls over four and two thirds innings. But he gets into the fifth inning here, and things get a little bit sticky for him. Now, the Guardians have a one nothing lead in this inning. He's trying to protect it. He starts the inning by getting Wilmer Flores to line out. He gives up a single to Estrada. He gives up a double off the wall to Duggar. He then, with two men on and one out, he strikes out Joey Bart on a nice curveball. Strikes out Joey Bart, and he's getting up there in pitches, but he leaves him in to face Yastrzemski, and he ends up going to a full count, leaves a curveball high and wide to Yastrzemski for ball four, and now the bases are loaded. So, it's a lefty coming in, and here comes Logan Allen out of the bullpen. Logan Allen looking like peak 90s WWF wrestler, with the long hair and the beard, it's it's just a look. If you watched wrestling back in the day, even today, you'd understand. It's quite the look. Um, I like it. It's some personality from Logan Allen. However, what I don't like is him giving up a single to Brandon Belt with the bases loaded. Now, it would be interesting. I don't think anyone asked Terry Francona if the reason Logan Allen was coming in in the fifth inning was Logan Allen always scheduled to go after Quantrill. I mean, Francona, somebody got a quote from him saying that it's going to take a couple weeks still for the starters to be fully stretched out. 
and Quantrill was getting up there at pitches. So was the plan always to have Logan Allen piggyback? I mean, Allen and Pilkington are here because they're starters and because they can piggyback off of somebody and go multiple innings. Now, Allen only goes uh, two-thirds of an inning in this one because in the next inning, they knock him out. Uh, he'd, he'd throw another walk, basically, and they get him out of there. So was the plan always? I mean, it is a spot in the lineup where you have a lot of lefties for the Giants. Uh, I believe Belt is a lefty. I believe Ruff, Jock Peterson after him, definitely a lefty. Ruff is a righty. So he goes lefty, righty, lefty in the lineup. Brandon Crawford after him is another left-handed hitter. So three out of the four hitters are left-handed hitters. So is that why Logan Allen came into the game, or was he always scheduled to go after Quantrill? Either way, Logan Allen is now in the game in the fifth inning, protecting a 1-0 lead with the bases loaded and two outs. And what does he do? He ends up giving up a 104.1 mile per hour single up the middle to Brandon Belt that scores two runs. He missed his target. If you look, I mean, chances are anytime you see a guy give up a hit, he's missing his target. But you can see where uh, Lavastida was set up down and away, and this pitch comes up and comes a little bit more over the plate. And Brandon Belt knocks it for a single. So bases loaded, the Giants deliver two RBI single. Then in the eighth inning now, uh, this time it's Sandlin on the mound, and Sandlin's just getting himself into all sorts of trouble. He ends up taking the loss on the day because he gives up a leadoff single to Brandon Belt, um, gives up a uh, he strikes out Darren Ruff, then gives up another single to Austin Slater, and ends up walking Brandon Crawford to load the bases. Now, this is the play that everybody's talking about. Wilmer Flores, his uh, force out, hits a ground ball to second baseman Ernie Clement, flips it to short for one, and then Ahmed Rosario hesitates. He double clutches, throwing the ball back to first, and nobody can really tell what happens live, on TV at least. What happened was Owen Miller thought that ball was going through in the center field and took a couple steps towards the center of the diamond to his position for what would be a cutoff throw to home plate. So Owen Miller misreads the play and then has to scramble back to first base. The double clutch allows Wilmer Flores to be safe. And instead of an inning-ending double play and a 2-2 tie going into the bottom of the eighth, the run comes in to score. Wilmer Flores is safe at first. It's a force out. And on the next batter, Estrada, he throws a wild pitch to bring in the next run. So this time, the Guardians had it. They got the ground ball they needed. They just couldn't turn the double play. I know people are mad at Ahmed Rosario saying, you throw it anyways, and you just lead Owen Miller, but you get the ball out of your hand. Who knows if Owen Miller wins that foot race? I mean, what happened happened. Uh, who to put the blame on? Probably Owen Miller a little bit there for being out of position on that play. Uh, that's hard for Ahmed Rosario to, you know, he's looking to throw the ball to first base and not have a first baseman there. I don't know how much we can blame Ahmed Rosario on that one. So, bases loaded situations. The Giants deliver two runs in each of them. Now, the Guardians get their own bases loaded situation in the bottom of the sixth inning. Uh, Jose Ramirez starts the inning with a single. Fermil Reyes would strike out behind him. We are going to talk about that. Ahmed Rosario will be forced out. Naylor walks. Owen Miller walks. Naylor had himself a decent little day now going against a right-handed starter. 
Uh, Naylor was on base three times, two singles and a walk for Josh Naylor. One of those singles came off a lefty reliever. So Naylor doing a good job getting himself on base. Owen Miller, of course, doing a great job getting himself on base. He was he was on base four times yesterday, including a single, a double, and two walks. Owen Miller, a big day offensively. And now Ernie Clement comes in to pinch hit with the bases loaded. Got to give credit to Ernie Clement. He hit, a, he hit it hard, 104.6 miles per hour. It had a 480 expected batting average. Unfortunately, it was to Crawford. He gets it. He gets the force out at second. And they tight rope walk out of a bases loaded situation in the sixth inning. So the Guardians had their chance there. The same chance that the Giants would have uh, in the fifth inning. And they just couldn't get that ground ball through. So is it a little bit of bat bip luck? I mean, do we hang it on Ernie Clement? I think he put a good swing on it. Hits it 104.6 miles per hour. So I think you just got to say that, hey, sometimes baseballs find a hole. Sometimes they don't on that situation. Now, there were two other situations where the Guardians had chances for big rallies. The bottom of the second and the bottom of the ninth, they had two men on. They just couldn't deliver the big hit on this day, and it was the bottom of the lineup. The bottom of the lineup really struggling to deliver the eight and nine holes, and somehow it always ended up on them. Ahmed Rosario grounded out to start the second. Naylor with a single. Owen Miller with a single. Andres Jimenez would strike out with two men on, and Lava Stita would hit into a force out. So that ends that rally. And then in the ninth inning, they give themselves another chance. They start the inning with two runners. Josh Naylor would single up the middle. Owen Miller would draw a walk. Two runners on. Ernie Clement hits another ground ball. This time it's a force out. He beats the throw out to first, which is huge. Keeps the inning, the rally going. Runners at the corner now with one out. Oscar Mercado pinch hits. And he takes strike three looking. Pinch hitting for the catcher position. Takes strike three looking. That's rough. It was a fastball down and in. Instead of having those quick hands through it, just stares at it. Oh, that's hard. That's that's painful right there. And then Miles Straw would ground out. At first pitch swinging, by the way, ground out back to the pitcher. I believe he started the game. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, his first bat at bat against DiSclefani. Yes, first pitch swinging on a fastball. He shoots that triple down into the left field corner. So, first pitch swinging, being a very aggressive for Miles Straw here. This time against Jake McGee, it's a fastball in the same spot. The same spot that he hits the triple on in the first inning. This time, he hits it 102.4 miles per hour, so he squared it up. He just hit it right back at Jake McGee. I mean, a little bit left or right, and that ball probably goes through in the center field. But this one was right back at Jake McGee. So, Miles Straw was clearly being aggressive on the day. Uh, and they just couldn't deliver the big hit in the ninth inning. So we absolutely had our chances. The eight and nine spots in the lineup uh, combined for the Guardians. Uh, Clement and Jimenez batting in the eighth spot combined to leave eight men on base. And Lavastida Mercado in the nine hole combined to leave five men on base. So, yeah, bottom of the lineup, just it came down to them multiple times in this game. And they just weren't there for it. Could not deliver. So that was what was going on. That was the big storyline for me in this game. Uh, the other thing I wanted to look at, and usually when we go over to the illustrator, we're looking at the pitchers. We're looking at where they're locating pitches. You know, are they is the changeup and the slider working off of each other? Are they throwing fastballs up or down? Well, this time I wanted to look at the hitters. I went to check on some things for Fermil Reyes and Stephen Kwan. 
who was very quiet in this game. And I wanted to see where they were being pitched. And what it led me to was it's actually very interesting looking at the illustrator for the hitters because you can see what the scouting report is. There are a couple guys on this team that it is very obvious how to attack them. Uh, based on what I'm seeing here on the Illustrator, based on what the scouting report the Giants were working with was. And they stuck to the scouting report on some guys here. For Miles Straw, it looks like the report was to keep pitches down. He has a ton of pitches down around the knees. There were a couple of sinkers up. One of them was the one he hit for the uh, double that he thought was going to be the home run. That was a sinker up and in. There's a couple of those, but most... Most of the pitches he saw in the day were down at the knees or below the strike zone. For Stephen Kwan, now notice Kwan has not drawn a lot of walks lately. That's because the scouting report for him from the Giants was clearly to attack just the zone, attack the middle of the zone, pound the strike zone with hard stuff. He took a ton of fastballs, a ton of hard sinkers, even a couple of sliders right down the pipe right down the middle, and he he stared at a lot of these pitches. He took a couple of these for called strikes, especially some of these fastballs. And, uh, oh, a cutter mixed in there, too. So I guess the scouting report on Quan is, let's just challenge this guy. Let's challenge this guy until he starts racking up hits. Let's stop giving him walks and go right down the pipe on this guy. Uh, for Jose Ramirez, it's kind of all over the place. They attacked him with a lot of off-speed stuff, a lot of sliders and change-ups on the day. For Fermil Reyes, it was definitely to keep things outside. Uh, they actually attacked him in the strike zone pretty good, but it was from the middle of the strike zone to the outside of the strike zone. For Ahmed Rosario, this one is interesting. Everything is from the belt or below. Slider, fastball, sinkers, everything is in the strike zone. It's from the belt to the bottom of the strike zone. So clearly, clearly the scouting report on Ahmed Rosario is don't give him anything up. Keep it down, down, down on him. For Naylor, it looks like they were trying to pound him inside a little bit, although they're kind of all over the place to him. For Owen Miller, they're kind of all over the place. They threw him a lot of change-ups down and in for Owen Miller, but they were kind of all over the place to him. For Andres Jimenez, opposite Ahmed Rosario. The scouting report of Andres Jimenez was clearly keep the pitches up, throw up. He's got a ton of fastballs up. Even sliders are up. Everything Andres Jimenez saw was around the letters or the shoulders. For Ernie Clement, very obvious what the scouting report is. Everything was down and in. Every fastball, I mean, the inner third of the plate for Ernie Clement, down and in, at his knees, a ton of fastballs and sliders at his knees, down and in. So a clear scouting report there. That was also probably because it was a lefty pitcher on the mound. Um, I know Ernie Clement came in to pinch hit for Jimenez, so he's probably facing a lefty here. So those sliders are sweeping across the zone towards his knees. Down and in was the report on Ernie Clement. Uh, Lavastida, they threw him a lot of sliders. Um, and Oscar Mercado, he only had that one at bat. So they threw him all fastballs. Challenged him all with fastballs. So there you go. There's the Guardians hitters. That's that's how the Giants pitchers, based on their scouting reports, based on their metrics, based on their data, that's how they attacked the Guardians hitters. And you can see how it worked on some guys, right? Challenging Mercado with those fastballs. Pounding Ernie Clement down and in got some ground balls. Challenging Andres Jimenez up really worked. Um, Ahmed Rosario, that one was interesting. Ahmed Rosario hit some balls hard on the day. Just had some bad luck. Some hard lineouts from Ahmed Rosario on the day. So 
I found this very interesting. We're going to continue to check on this uh, as the season goes. We'll see if the scouting reports stay the same, if other teams attack differently. Yeah, we're going to keep an eye on this as the season goes. All right. One thing I want to talk about is Fermil Reyes. Fermil Reyes in the middle of this lineup. He has another terrible day at the plate. He's 0 for 4 with three strikeouts on the day. It's not going well for Fermil Reyes. If you look at his percentile rankings, he is bottom of the league right now. The big home run hitter, the big bopper for the Cleveland Guardians is in the first percentile for barrel percentage. The home run cleanup hitter for the Guardians is the worst in the league right now when it comes to barrels. 7th percentile for K percentage, 6th percentile for expected slugging. I mean, these are all bad. Expected weighted on base percentage, 4th percentile. Bad stuff. With percentage, 3rd percentile. He is swinging and missing like crazy. So yeah, it is a rough start to the season for Fermil Reyes. And he is really going to have to. He's hitting 167 now. His OPS is 356. We know he heats up. We know the big man heats up. But we really need him to at least be slightly above average uh, until he heats up. And one of the things is plate discipline. The plate discipline has gotten pretty bad for Fermil Reyes. I flipped over to fan graphs here. And on this season, he's swinging outside the zone at 33.3%. He's swinging in the zone only 72.7%. So he's swinging at 50.4% of pitches he sees. Here's the problem. He's making contact outside the zone at only 58.3%. He's making contact inside the zone at only 65%. That is well below. His his average over five seasons is 77.3%. That is well below his average contact rate inside the strike zone. We're talking in the strike zone. We're talking those sliders and those fastballs that they've been challenging him with in the strike zone. His contact percentage is the lowest it's been of his entire career, 62.5. And uh, his swinging strike is the highest of his career at 18.9. His CSW is the highest of his career at 35.4. Remember, CSW is called strikes plus whiffs. Um, now to compare those numbers, remember I told you his in the strike zone contact is at 65%. Jose Ramirez, compare him to another good hitter on the team. His inside the zone contact this season is 97.4. He's putting the bat on the ball if it's in the strike zone. Jose Ramirez's outside the zone contact is at 75%. For me, Reyes was at 58.3. So we're having a real swing and miss problem here from Fermil Reyes. So, I don't know what the solution is, but Reyes and Vileka, the hitting coach, definitely got some work cut out for them. They have got to figure this thing out and got to get the bat on the ball again. He hits the ball hard still, but man, he's got to get the bat on the ball again. So, we'll see if the warm weather helps him out. Uh, We'll see. I mean, are they going to give him a day off? I almost feel like you need to give the guy a day off today or play him in right field just to shake things up a little bit for him, right? He needs something. He needs something to shake him up and change things a little bit and get some momentum going in the middle of the lineup. Because it's it's rough. It's rough for what the top of the lineup is doing. They have this huge hole in the four spot. Amin Rosario might not be having the batting average success right now. I mean, he's hitting 278. He was 0 for 4 on the day. But like I said, he was still hitting the ball hard. 
Fermil Reyes isn't even doing that if he's striking out. Let's see. Ahmed Rosario had... Oh, they credited him with one hard hit ball in the day. All right. So that is what was going on offensively. The last thing I want to talk about on this day, on this Cleveland baseball morning, is the bullpen. Because we got into a situation here where Quantrill goes forward two-thirds, and you're forced to go to Logan Allen out of the bullpen. Now, why is Logan Allen in there? People are like, you got to DFA this guy. They're done with him. Probably Sam Henches, too. Although Henches pitches the ninth inning, has to record four outs, ends up technically striking out the side. Uh, but a drop third strike led a guy on, which meant uh, he had to get another out. He gets a line out. So he does strike out three, but doesn't strike out the side weirdly in his ninth inning. So Hench is actually pitching okay out of the bullpen. Trevor Steffen was fantastic out of the bullpen. One and two-thirds innings pitch, no hits, no runs, no walks, three strikeouts on 22 pitches. Gave up two hard-hit balls, but does the job for almost two innings. Yeah, Logan Allen was in there. And this whole thing comes back to conversations that were happening during the offseason, conversations that were happening last season about a 40-man roster crunch. It just feels like the Guardians don't have the firepower in the bullpen that they've had in years past, where they can bring people in in the 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th innings that really can hold a lead or hold a game together. It just doesn't feel like it's there. I have a lot of faith in Sandlin. I think Sandlin is going to be fantastic, but he's also still very young. So we got to be a little bit patient with Sandlin. But yeah, they had to take guys like Logan Allen and Sam Henches and Pilkington and put them in the bullpen because they they couldn't go out and get other arms. They couldn't add someone to the 40-man roster. By the way, Sandlin is only 25. So yeah, very young. They couldn't add anyone, a veteran or anyone like that, a free agent to the 40-man roster without having to cut somebody because they thought they were going to lose all these guys in the Rule of Five draft. So because Joenske Noel is on the 40-man roster, they can't add a bullpen arm without cutting somebody. And they're clearly not ready to cut ties with Logan Allen or Sam Henches or some of these guys out there in the bullpen right now that they've stashed out on the bullpen Don't forget they got Eli Morgan out there. Not saying they should cut Eli Morgan, but saying they have a starter, someone who probably should be starting in AAA right now, being ready to be the first, you know, spot start guy, doubleheader start guy when we need him. He's out there in the bullpen because we had to stack the 40-man roster with starters. So it's not an ideal situation for Terry Francona to have all these starters out there or ex-starters out there in the bullpen trying to make it work as relievers. Not to mention, he got Anthony Ghost out there who is still working on his command, although he was pretty good Friday night. Uh, and that's probably the reason we didn't see him in this situation is because he went Friday night. He went hard Friday night. Um, so yeah, so the other lefty out there to face all those lefties in the Giants lineup was Logan Allen. Unfortunately, all the lefties are the heart of the order for the Giants. So not an ideal situation, and, you know, we pay. We paid for it in this one. The bullpen gives up the hits, gives up the runs. Uh, They're they're credited to Quantrill because he put the runners on base. He almost gets out of it, almost gets out of the situation, can't quite, walks that last hitter, and Logan Allen has to come come in and give up that hit. So it's not a great bullpen situation right now for the Guardians. It'll be interesting to see... 
do they have to? Do they have to make a hard decision at some point and get, you know, let a Logan Allen go and try to get some help in here? If they're competitive come the trade deadline, bullpen help is definitely something that's going to be at the top of the shopping list. I think maybe even ahead of another outfielder just because, uh, you know, there's so many players with flexible positions on this team and, you know, whether I, it looks like Ahmed Rosario might not go back out in the outfield ever. Uh, they've talked about Ernie Clement possibly going out there. It's just they talk about these things, and then we never see it. So, yeah, the top of the shopping list would probably be bullpen help right now. If we were in that kind of situation where we were in it, we were in the mix for a division and a wild card, and we were going to be aggressive at the trade deadline, I would be shopping bullpen. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. A rough day for the Guardians, again, with some chances, and they just can't deliver. But we've got a series finale today, a little day baseball, and we'll see. It is going to be Savali on the mound against Wood for the Giants, uh, a left-handed pitcher. So I, I hope Josh Naylor doesn't get the start, frankly. I hope we see the righties in there uh, against the lefty Wood. Uh, and then coming up in the White Sox series, they actually flip-flop McKenzie and Bieber to start the White Sox series. I'm not sure why, but they're giving Bieber an extra day of rest, and they're getting McKenzie in there to kick off the series on Monday, that home series against the White Sox, which will be a good early test. I like that. I like going head-to-head with the White Sox here in April. Really get the battle going between these two teams. So that's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Cleveland. It's the Giants 4, the Guardians 2. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.